Thank you for joining The Collective today. The Collective is a storytelling podcast interviewing hairstylists and makeup artists. On today's episode, we have Emmy-nominated TV and film makeup artist and makeup department head Amber Crow. Thank you so much, Amber, for joining me today on The Collective. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to hear and share your story so far. I'm excited to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> so who is Amber? Um, well, that's always a funny question to say, uh, you know, subjectively or whatever. But um, Amber is a makeup artist. She is a friend and um, a wife and a mother now. A mother to humans and a mother to cats. Um, Amber is a makeup department head on a television show and have a couple of other department head credits under her belt. Um, Amber is an artist, first and foremost. Um, A leader. Um, a friend. I can't remember if I've said that or not. Um, an empath. <laughs> uh, and um, really can't think of anything else. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so you're currently department heading Dynasty on season three, I believe, right? Season three. We just ended season three, and. Okay. Um, hopefully season four too but um at at this rate you know we don't know exactly when we're going back and what the the whole picture will be but you know hopefully season four as well right so how did you get to this point how did you get to you know the the part of your career where you've been able to department head well I think that almost everything in my career has been something I've really worked hard for but I haven't had a specific goal. It's kind of like how I've just fallen into things. And I always loved makeup, but I didn't study makeup in school. I actually have a background in theatrical costume design and fine art. And when I was young, I wanted to be an animator because <laughs> um, I was always drawing and painting and I was known as that, you know, there's always that one person, girl, boy, what have you, in school that's known as the, the person that can draw. And I was that person in my group, in my my grade, I, should, I guess I should say. And when I went to college, I didn't know if I wanted to do art or theater because I really liked doing theater, too. So I did both. And then by the time I was in my sophomore year, I realized that two BFAs was really going to be tough. So I decided to drop the art and then just did theater but then I went the design route and I always loved fashion costume all that kind of stuff and when you're in charge of things in the theater you're in charge of everything from when you do costumes rather you are in in charge of their props their makeup their hair everything the whole overall look of that character and I was really mesmerized by that and then um I had interviewed for grad school the possibility of going to NYU and that didn't actually work out and I didn't really know what I was going to do when I graduated from college and I started doing some local theater stuff and designing and then I worked at the mall and 
I was cutting through Marshall Fields at the time, which uh, is now Macy's, and there was a Mac counter there. And I knew one of the girls that worked there, and I had been buying Mac products. And I thought, you know, I could probably do makeup because I always kind of felt like if you could draw, you could do makeup. And I asked her if they were hiring and she said yes. And I had no idea how hard it was to work for that company at the time. This was 2004. And uh, I got the interview and then that was a preliminary interview. And then I got a second interview and that's where you actually do a makeup application. And then I did uh, an interview with the district manager of sorts at the time. And then I got the job. And then from there, I ended up working for Mac for seven years. And that's really where I cut my teeth doing makeup because I learned everything under the sun working for Mac Cosmetics. And I thought that I was going to, you know, do high fashion. And that's the route that I was going to take. And then at some point, I was working at the Mac store at Somerset in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, this was around 2007, 2008, it was 2008. And uh, we had a huge film incentive. It was the most competitive film incentive in the country, in Michigan. And there weren't a lot of people on the roster at that time. And um, there was a makeup department head that came in and she was shopping and I had no idea who she was. I was just helping her out. And then towards the end of our transaction, she was like, you really know your stuff. Um, I might need a little help on my movie. Would you be interested? And at the time, I was not allowed to give my phone number out for freelance jobs, even though I was doing a lot of freelance outside of Mac too, like commercials and right. um, photo shoots and all of that kind of stuff. But I wasn't allowed to. But for some reason, I decided to do it and chance my luck. And then, you know, you give somebody your phone number, they never call you. She called me three days later. And I was a key holder at the time, which meant I was in management. And I worked five days a week, eight hours a day, essentially, you know, with a lunch break and stuff. And getting days off, scheduled days off for Mac is, is super tough, especially if you're in uh, a, a management. I just happened to have the day off. And she asked me if I would come and help. And I was like, oh, my God, she, she actually called me. And I was so excited. And I went in and she really, really liked me. And every day I had off or even in the morning, she would book me, which was fantastic. And then she introduced me to all the other freelance makeup artists that were working in film in, in Detroit. And then from there on out for about three years, any day I had off, I booked something, um, either a movie, a TV show, and then if I wasn't doing that, fashion shows, bridal, photo shoots, everything. I, I really, I don't think I had a day off in years. And then uh, in 2010, I got a job on a TV show. And I only worked like three days a week, at least once a week, but sometimes as much as three to five days a week and worked at Mac full time. And that's where I met Todd McIntosh. And Todd McIntosh was the makeup artist behind so many great things, but notably Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. And he's multi-Emmy Award winner, and he's just everything to me. And he was the one that really showed me the ropes and helped me and helped me get my union days. And then finally, after three years of doing film, I got into the union. 
just in time for our film incentive to die in Michigan. So, um, yeah, I had to find a new home and I am not somebody that takes a whole lot of risks. Uh, grew up super working class, one of the first people in my family to go to college and to graduate and all of that kind of stuff. So it was very telling that I was going to do this. And I had worked on a couple more movies uh, in that time, which was fantastic. But I had to find a new home. And uh, that's when I came to Atlanta. And some of the other movies that I had worked on allowed me to meet a whole bunch of people from L.A., from New York, from so on and so forth. But I didn't really know that many people here in Georgia. But everybody said to either come here or New Orleans. And I chose here. Um, I'm glad that I did because my career really took off when I got here. And um, I've been here for eight years now, eight years in, in uh, June in 2012 is when I got here and my I just went from job to job and met more people and met more people and then you know eventually aside from all the other things that I was doing before then I eventually 2014 got into Vampire Diaries and that's where I met um, Pascal who's one of my producers and he ended up promoting me to department head and that and then that's where that took off and then he brought me on a pilot in Milwaukee and then he also brought me onto Dynasty and there's a lot of stories in between but that's basically the gist of it <laughs> so and then you know of course amazing mentors and people that I met from movies to jobs I, I could go on but that's about the gist of it wow a lot. <laughs> I feel like it was a short period of time you did a ton of amazing things in a short period of time that happened. So from moving from Detroit to Atlanta, uh, mm-hmm. whenever, you, whenever you got to Atlanta, were there, was there anything in your career that you felt like were, um, were there any like huge growth movements, like uh, not movements, I'm sorry, any huge growth moments, like any moments that you're like, that really stand out between that transitioning from Detroit to Atlanta? Oh my gosh. Well, When I was in Detroit, I had some amazing moments, too. Um, You know, I worked on Detroit 187, which was the TV show that I met uh, Todd McIntosh. And then I eventually went on to do, to key my first movie, which, I mean, I'm sure your listeners have known that keying is basically like, think of it like uh, assistant manager to a manager kind of thing. Um, I keyed on a movie called Alex Cross underneath Kimberly Jones, who actually also moved to Atlanta around the same time I did. But we shot that movie in Cleveland. And then right from there, I was able to jump on a movie called Oz the Great and Powerful. And I can't even begin to describe to you what that movie did for my career, because that's where I met Vivian Baker and Steve Laporte and Judy Chin and and. and leagues of other people. I mean, the whole KMB department worked on the effects side. I learned how to lay hair from Leonard Engelman and really learn like on the job training there. That was absolutely fantastic. Probably without that movie, I wouldn't have been able to move to Atlanta. So, but I mean, there was exponential growth just there. And then when I moved to Atlanta, I was still pretty fresh in my career, but, um, you know, I didn't know anybody down here, so it was hard to break in right away. But there wasn't as nearly many people on that roster either. 
also my union card didn't transfer. So that was a whole story in and of itself. But um, as things circle back around, my um, my boss from uh, Detroit 187, Todd McIntosh, he was going to do a made-for-TV movie. And uh, he brought me on that movie. And that was my first really big gig here in, in Atlanta. And um, also coming first full circle two years later, two years later, I think it was, we were um, nominated for an Emmy for that movie. It was a made for TV movie on um, Lifetime. So that was amazing that I got to really see the arc of my career with him. And that's a very, very, very special moment for me. So there, I mean, there's tons of growth that happens. Some of it's maybe not necessarily makeup, it's personal, you know, um, how, you know, success will change you or it will make you reevaluate things or it will show you how some people are and how you have to carry yourself and, and, and act with other people. Um, lots of personal growth there, I think, um, because, you know, I was kind of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed when I got here, and, um, you know, uh, it took some time to find my tribe here, but once I did, uh, I felt comfortable with that, so does that answer your question? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest parts, actually, is that, like, uh, you know, like, finding your tribe or finding those people that you work well with. There's, yeah. There's tons of amazing artists, but it's just, it's just what it is. Like some people just don't work well with others and, um, you know, depending on your personalities and that sort of thing. So I think that's one of the toughest, toughest things in our industry, um, you know, is, is trying to find those people. Right. Right. So, and, you know, the thing is I'm, I'm pretty chatty and um, I think that sometimes when you get on a job, you know, it's sometimes like we were talking about earlier, it's less about makeup and more about your personality. And you just have to really work well with people. And um, I'm a crazy, crazy sensitive person, which working in the film business usually doesn't go hand in hand with, <laughs> even though it does, because I've met lots of sensitive people. But um, it can make it difficult. Yeah, it's but it's weird because you have to have a thick skin and I really don't. So, um, you know, uh, the personal growth comes from like trying not to cry all the time. <laughs> but, you know, having said that, I've always kind of stuck to the idea that I don't want to be too thick of skin because I feel like being emotional and sensitive is one of the things that makes me good at my job. So, yeah, yeah. I know I, I agree because I think, uh, I mean, cause I have those qualities too. Like growing up, I was always told that I wore my heart on my sleeve, you know? Yes. Yeah, I, me think, too. I think those are the qualities though, that allow us to have, you know, like we actually have that sympathy and that empathy for certain situations and, and more understanding. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think it's helpful, but I, that's been hard for me too in the industry that, and I'm super introverted. So if you take those two, like those two things together can make it for, um, you know, a little 
challenging at times, but then eventually you have those people that appreciate those things, you know? Right. And I think the thing is, is that I'm not introverted. I actually don't think I'm an excessive extrovert, but I think that people that didn't know me would describe me as such. And sometimes that can be taken the wrong way, you know? Um, so I, uh, I think that I've, I've ran into that in my career. Right. Um, and I, I wouldn't say necessarily that I have curbed that, but I've learned to work with it and just, um, you know, work with people that don't mind a large personality. <laughs> so, you know. Oh. And I don't know necessarily if my personality is really that large. If, if, if not, I'm just chatty, you know, so. Yeah. It's so funny because I don't think you're, I mean, I don't think you're too chatty when I've, when I've been around you, but. I mean, I don't think that I am either, but then there are other people that think otherwise. And of course, it's always one of those things where a million people can tell you nice things. And the one person that says something bad is something that you'll fixate on. Right work on getting over it so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um gosh okay so whenever you so on the um Oz the great and powerful so you did uh-huh. a you did a lot of um a lot of hands-on learning so for the for technical growth you did a lot of that on yeah. that film too were there any like you know like sometimes sometimes these projects stick out to us because one we obviously have tons of technical growth but then we have like you know that um I don't know like emotional or um you know like that maturity we get on certain projects was that one of those like you felt like absolutely overall you completely agree well I was working with every not every but tons of like very high profile like Oscar winning Emmy award winning makeup artists that were working on the same level as me. Um, Not that I was at their level, but we were all working, doing um, all these, you know, background artists and stuff, you know? So we were in the bullpen together and I could learn so many things. Like I sat right next to David Atherton and Robin Bouchane. Like that was who was on each side of me. And, um, you know, and like I said, and Steve Laporte was the background supervisor at the time. And then, you know, Bill Corso came in and did a couple days and Margaret Prentice and, wow. and like I said, and Judy Chin and, and so many people, uh, Robin Matthews, I met Robin Matthews on that. So <laughs> many people and they were working, like I said, at the same level as me. And because I I worked with them and learned from them and in my mind, learned their, earned their respect, it was, um, I wouldn't say easier, because it's not so much easy, that's the wrong verbiage, it was just, it allowed me to have growth when I came to Atlanta, because I had their buy-in, you know, they trusted me to recommend me for things, so, um, yeah, I mean, I learned obviously technical skill, but I learned how to act, and how to be, and how to read a room, and what I should do and not do and, you know, how I should treat other people and all of, all of those kind of things. And then, um, 
you know, and then, and how to be loyal and that, which is a quality that I absolutely learned from Vivian Baker. And she has been absolutely crucial to my growth here as an artist, as well as just a, you know, a working makeup artist. And then eventually when I got down here, my second huge job that I had here was um, on a movie called Prisoners. And I was key on that. And I worked under Donald Mullet, who I can't even begin to describe to you what he taught me. Not only did he teach me, you know, tons of makeup skills and character makeup and all of those kind of things, but he taught me invaluable skills that I learned that I still use to this day when I department head because I think about what would this person do what would Donald do what would Vivian do what what would Steve do what would you know Todd do I I I have all of those things in my head um and then I bring them all together and that's I I try to be department head that I would want to work for bring in all of these amazing things that I've learned from all these other people. That's awesome. It's incredible. I mean, the, the people that you've been able to surround yourself with, it's incredible. It's pretty magical. Like when I think about it, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. But when I think about, you know, this is also another thing, you know, I, I since we're all in quarantine, or at least uh, I am, <laughs> Uh, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of Instagram lives, and I had the opportunity to work under James McKinnon um, on Fast and the Furious 7, and he was fantastic to me, too, and it got my, I watched his, um, his IG live with Melanie Mills just a couple days ago, and it set my mind going and thinking about all of the people that I've had the opportunity to work under, and that's really also, I mean, so much of that is an invaluable tool. But when I think about even now, like if I have a question, I can call one of those people and say, hey, I have this thing that I'm doing on my show. I don't know if it can be done. Can What do you think? And then they give me their expertise. And it's it's really a magical thing. So It is. I think magical is a great way to say it. Because <laughs> I'm like incredible. Yeah. But- yeah, no, magical for sure. So I found you, and I don't know if you remember this, but I had not gotten into the union yet, and I found, <laughs> I was a huge fan of Vampire Diaries, and I reached oh. out to you on Facebook. I don't know if you remember, but I mean, it's like years ago, um, but I started following you with Vampire Diaries because I was like, you know, a huge Vampire Diaries nerd, <laughs> then the originals. <laughs> so funny, but I was like obsessed with that series. Um, and that's when I first started following you or, or had heard of you, you know? Yeah. Um, so on Vampire Diaries, because of course I loved it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> were there any, was there anything on Vampire Diaries that stands out? Like any experience? I know you had so many years on there, but like, cause you started off as, did you start off as a key and then you ended up department heading? I started off as a third and I ended up department heading. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know it's kind of nuts. Um, I, have to thank my Vampire Diaries career uh, to Tara Day because I had interviewed with Tara for a job uh, previous to that and it, it 
things didn't line up for it. So, um, but she had remembered me and she was going to take over the series season five, midway through season five. And uh, she had brought her key that she liked working with from New Mexico. And then obviously she remembered me. So she asked me if I wanted to come aboard and then I ended up staying there and then she ended up um, stepping down and uh, they needed a department head. And that's when my, cause I was filling in as key at that point, and then we needed a department head, and then my producers asked me if I would step in to be department head on season seven, and then again asked me back season eight. Um, so there's all of that, but I mean, I had exponential uh, emotional and personal growth there too that I right. can't even begin to describe to you. I mean, Vampire Diaries is kind of like this. Uh, I guess you could say it's like a, 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 I can't think of the term I'm looking for, but it it was just this place where I I had moved down to Atlanta with a with a boyfriend, and then things didn't work out, and we were together for ten years, and I broke up with him at that time, which wow. was yeah. so that was some personal things there, but then later on I ended up meeting my now husband and then so broke up with my ex of 10 years then met my husband that I met him and then eight months later we got married I know that's kind of fast but you know it's in my <laughs> mid-30s so who cares all right and then <laughs> I ended up buying a house uh and then I uh I did get married. I think I said that. Buying a house, got married, met him. Um, then I was asked to be department head. Um, so I got like cut my teeth being department head. And um, yeah, like I said, so much personal growth there. I can't, I can't even begin to tell you. Um, I did, you know, I had a lot of design opportunities there, which were fantastic. I met some of my best friends working on there. Um, I, I can't even, I cannot begin to describe to you the time that I spent on Vampire Diaries. It was, I was there for three years total, half of season five, all of season six, seven, and eight. I know that sounds like four years, but it's actually three years. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, every step that you take in life leads you to your next step, in my opinion. Okay. And Vampire Diaries was one of those steps for me, you know, because without Vampire Diaries, I wouldn't have met Pascal. And I always botch his last name. I think it's Verscoris, <laughs> Pascal Verscoris. Um, and he is the executive producer also on Dynasty. But um, I have a really strong relationship with him and I adore him. So, uh, yeah, without Vampire Diaries, I wouldn't have Dynasty and I wouldn't be where I'm at, you know, so... Yeah. So how was that first, um, that first season that you department headed? How was your first time department heading? Because you were kind of not thrown in, but, you know. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> I had department headed really small stuff before, like really small little pilots or really small right. indies. So, um, you know, it was kind of strange because it's like, even though it was my first time department heading something major 
I, I, I was doing a lot of the work anyway, because I was doing a lot of the effects. I did a lot of the actors. Um, so it was just like a natural progression to step into department heading. I just now was making the budgets and, and scheduling who I was going to hire. And, you know, I was already breaking scripts down. I was already doing a lot of that. Um, so it really didn't feel that different. And I know that sounds strange, but, but it didn't. And like I said, when I did it, it felt very comfortable. And it, I just, as long as I had people that supported me, my, my makeup artists that work underneath me, producers that, that support me, actors that support me, I was fine. It's when you have, you know, adversary in that world, when it gets tough and I didn't have that. So it was very easy. Oh, God. Yeah. I think, um, when I was working with Sarah on the act, I started off as a third and then the third and I switched. Yeah. Um, but I had the kind of same experience. Like I was already doing all of the, the key responsibilities as the third. So it was, it really wasn't, you know, it was like, I didn't really switch because I was kind of already doing it. So Correct. And that's exactly how it was for me from, from third to key to, to department head. It, yeah. You know, so. So interesting. Mm-hmm. That works out like that. Wow. So what, so you, after Vampire Diaries, you jumped right on to Dynasty, right? And that's been fun. I actually, right from Vampire Diaries, had two movies in between. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um. I, you know, I was on Vampire Diaries for so long that sometimes when you get stuck in a series, you're like, oh my God, am I ever going to work again? Because people stop calling you because they right. assume that you're not available or they assume that you only want a department head if you get known as a department head. Right. Now, what ended up happening is like three weeks before we were supposed to wrap, you know, not even series, a season wrap, but series wrap of Vampire Diaries, season eight, um, I got four calls for work and then I ended up getting a call from Alan Apone um who I adore (laughs) and uh he is good friends with Jerry Baker and Jerry's one of my dearest friends I used to she's a hair department head in a lot of Marvel movies and whatnot and um she recommended me to him to department head second unit on Den of Thieves and I wrapped Vampire Diaries on a Friday, and I started that on a Monday. So, and that's that's a common theme for me in my career, because I don't mean to ever do that, but I've done that so many times, I can't even tell you. So there was that. So I did that for two and a half months or so, and then we wrapped that. And then I told my husband that we were going to go on vacation because I had worked my tail off for years. So we went to London. And while I was in London is when I got called for, for Dynasty and job offered Dynasty. So I took it. So when I got home from London, I thought, well, I'm going to take some time because, you know, I'm going to start this new job or whatever in July. And this is like end of April, beginning of May at this point. And then I decided to go see a friend of mine who I used to work with on Vampire Diaries who lives in New Mexico, Dan Lee Winnegar. And... I was on the plane to go to New Mexico and I got called to work on Bad Moms, the second one, the Bad Moms Christmas. And uh, I wasn't available that first week because I was 
going to New Mexico. And then when I was there, I, I, I thought that I was just going to, you know, day play here and there. But then they ended up asking me to be basically the third. So I'm Bad Moms. And I worked for Margot Basha. And uh, I, I adore her, too. She's out of New York. And I... Uh, I it was such an amazing experience and even though I said I was going to take that time I just really wanted to work for nice ladies and that is also a theme now going forward is that I just want to work with nice people <laughs> and I was doing that on Bad Moms so I I, get, I think I had like three weeks off before I started Dynasty but 2017 was a real busy year for me when I thought that I wasn't going to work at all after Vampire Diaries. <laughs> Yeah, well, I feel like the universe shows you. It does. <laughs> it all. It always seems to, and it yeah. tells you when not to work too. Right. Like, like for instance, I have a hard time saying no when I get a job. But um, last year at this time, I had just found out I was pregnant, and uh, we. I, I found out March twenty first or twenty second, and then we had three or four more weeks left on, on dynasty of season two. And I decided to work those three or four weeks and then take the rest of that time before we started season three back up. And like I said, I think that was also the universe telling me, take a break. You need to take a break. (laughs) So, which is important in my opinion, as much as working is knowing when to put the break on, you know? Yeah. That's perfect timing, though. I mean, yeah, it was perfect like, timing. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think rest is important, and I we're always so go 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 that yeah. I think that's one of the best things about this time we have right now is that we can actually rest and reevaluate. You know. Well, you know, the thing that's also funny is that the universe loves to tell me things, as I said, and um, I had my baby in December, and I ended up taking. 10 weeks off of um, for, uh, at Dynasty and the producers were so good to me and in no way shape or form did they have to hold my job because we're freelance it doesn't work like that but they did and they told me I could come back and I didn't really want to rock that boat too much so I took 10 weeks off with three weeks being our holiday hiatus which didn't count anyway um, and I ended up coming back February 11th or 12th I think it was and man coming back after having a baby was really 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 tough especially as a department head um you know I was pumping and I trying to take care of myself extra 20 plus pounds of baby weight I didn't really get to acknowledge at that point but you know really wanted to work and then we worked for like five weeks or so and one of my emotional meltdowns because I was so sleep deprived and I was dropping the ball left and right. And thank God I have an amazing team to help me. <laughs> um, but I, I was in one of the rooms pumping and I texting my husband and telling him, you know, I, I really wanted to come back, but there was part of me that was like, maybe I should have just taken the rest of the season off. And two days later they shut us down for COVID-19. So wow. <laughs> I think that was another thing with a, the universe was being like, maybe you should be with your baby for a little bit. Right. And, <laughs> and here's that time. Right. And I, 
you know, on a personal note, it's really invaluable because, you know, she's five months old now. And since I've been home with her, I've been able to see the social smile and hear the laughter and see her grow and go to all of her doctor's appointments and see her roll over for the first time. And, uh, what, you know, she ate solids for the first time and, I would have missed all that if I were working. So um, I would have made the best of it if I was working. Um, My husband's a stay-at-home dad now, so it's fantastic. So I get constant updates while I'm at work and videos and photos and all that kind of stuff. But there's nothing like being here with her. Right. You know, so. I get it. I mean, I know so many people like, you know, well, Sarah, there's so many people that are being able to stay and enjoy that time right now, you know, like really have that time with their kids. Right, um, right. Which is good. I mean, I have teenagers, so they're probably not loving it 100%. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at least we kind of, you know, we get to see that time and spend that time with them and see, like really see them, you know? Right, right. Gosh, I don't know. So how, so he's staying at home. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, my husband, um, he is, I've always been a super career oriented person. And I've always had that Detroit working class, work, 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 work yourself to the bone. And I always knew that I wanted my career first, but I also wanted to be a mom. And I'm 38. And I wasn't getting much younger and I was not getting younger at all. And, you know, I really wanted to take that and and make that happen for myself. And it took us a while, but eventually we, we ended up getting pregnant and my husband has a, uh, a background in caregiving. So he took care of grown adults, but, um, grown adults with the developmental disabilities and the young man that he took care of right before he was a stay-at-home dad uh, had um, a disease where he was immobile and he couldn't walk or talk or, and, you know, he had to change his diaper and feed him and take care of him, bathe him. And it was basically like what you would do for with a baby. And so it was a natural pro- progression for him. Plus my husband, you know how we talked about me being a little... Um, extrovert my husband is not he's very much an introvert so that's definitely where the yin to the yang kind of thing and uh, he's a little bit more of a homebody and it's really we feel really blessed that uh, he can stay home that puts a lot of pressure on me obviously uh, to keep working but especially in a business that is Easter family but uh we believe that it will all work out. And so far, you know, granted we're only five months in, but it it has. So, and I think that that also works for me because I surround myself professionally with people that I do care about that care about me in, in, in return. So if I have that support at work, then, and support at home, it makes things a little easier. Uh, Yeah, no, there's, something amazing about being able to have him at home. We did that um, when I was in the DC market, we um, Lee stayed home with the boys and it was just because the last, because I did so much political stuff up there and that last political season was so busy. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) That it just worked out 
I mean, it just worked out beautifully because I knew like, you know, if I was pulling it overnight or, or if I was going from one network to another network, or if I had to, you know, go to New York for the week or whatever, like I knew they were taken care of. I didn't have to stress about who's picking them up and who's doing this and who's doing that. So there is, it's amazing when it can happen. It really well, not is. to mention the uh, price of childcare these days. Oh is yeah. Just phenomenal. And yeah. that's obviously one thing that we don't have to consider right now anyway. So that's good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he can be there with her, but you know, there's, there's part of me that's like, well, I'm her mom, I need to be here. But, uh, you know, that's the plight of the, of the working mom, I think, because, you know, inherently biology is not necessarily on our side. You know, I was really, really blessed and thankful to have a really healthy pregnancy that I was able to work up to 40 weeks. Um, but some women don't have that and they have to stay home. And then I, and then you, it's like, well, where does the income come from? <laughs> you know, if I'm the one that's working, you know, and then I can't go to work. So right. uh, I, I'm, I'm very blessed in that, in that way where I was healthy enough and, you know, I worked hard to make sure that my body stayed healthy, um, as healthy as it could while I was pregnant. And then, you know, having the support from my team and my producers, I can't even begin to describe to you what, what that, what that was like for me. So. Yeah. It all, I mean, it seems so beautiful. All of it, you know, it is, it really is beautiful (laughs) and it's easy to lose sight of that. You know, sometimes you have to stop and be a little reflective and, and be really thankful for what you've been able to achieve and what you have. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I wish I could tell you that that mom guilt goes away, but I don't know that it 100% ever really goes away, you know? I don't like think it's ever going to go yeah. away. I think I just have to learn how to deal with it. You do. You do. And then you make up for, you know, you you do you do things or you spend that time that you have with them in different ways, you know? Right. You know? To help um, cope with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my plan going forward. I mean, right now, I don't think that she really knows. She's only five months old. Right. But um, I mean, eventually she will. So and I have to make sure to have that life work balance. But, you know, I have to have that with my husband. I have to have that with my friends and my family, Everybody. especially since my fam- my family in Detroit, you know, they don't live here. So right. I have to find that balance, too. And that the older I get, the more important that is to me. So that's why I'm really glad that I really busted my ass all throughout my 20s and my early 30s so I could get to this point now. It's amazing. So I'm going all, all over the place, but um, how did, I did not get to catch your thing with Mac. How was that? It was on Instagram <laughs> Live, right? Oh, that was another full circle moment too. Yeah, that was, you know, again, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle and just because it's always this go, 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 get to the next level, get to the next level. But sometimes you have to revisit where you came from and really, you know, embrace that. And basically I I was sitting here and I was pumping and I was, uh, you know, looking on my phone and then I got a message from Carrie Blair, who's a Mac senior artist out of New York. But once upon a time, Matt, uh, Carrie Blair was the RDAT, uh, in um in Detroit which is the regional director of training i believe is what the what it means and she was out of chicago but she she oversaw the entire midwest region and um 
she, you know, you know, I remember her from there. And then she ended up moving to New York and getting back in that senior artist thing. And she remembered me years later and found me on social media and we've kind of kept in contact. And then she asked me if I wanted to do an Instagram live. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. And because in my mind, I'm still that dork from, from Detroit that, you know, just slings foundation and eyeshadow. And I don't think (laughs) of myself in any, like, I forget that I'm a mom now, you know, I I don't, I forget that I'm 38 years old. I I don't, I don't ever think of myself like that. So it, 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 it felt sweet and nice to feel accomplished and important enough for somebody to want to talk to me on a, on a grand scale like that, especially since my roots were a small little counter, uh, originally it working 30, less than 30 hours a week, 24, 24 hours a week, um, at Mac. And then, you know, I went from store to store and got promotions or whatever. Um, so it, like I said, just it, it it's like a full circle kind of moment. I have a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good though. That's good because I think, yeah. like you said, it it does help us to stop and reflect, kind of remember those times where we were there and how far we've really come. Well, it's one of those things too. Like just just recently, right before I had the baby, I was 38 weeks pregnant, and Liz Gillies, who's my actress on Vampire or not Vampire Diaries, excuse me, sorry, Lizzie, on Dynasty, and she had asked me uh, if I would do her makeup for an, a, a concert that she's doing with Ariana Grande. They're good friends, and because they were on a TV show when they were kids uh, together. And uh, it was supposed to be a big surprise. So it's happened so I can talk about it. But it was so cool because I was in there doing Liz's makeup. And then Ariana comes in and they were singing and they were, uh, you know, they were rehearsing and stuff for the night. And I don't think anything of it because I've been doing this for a while. And Liz is one of my good friends. And it's like hanging out with your friend and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I went out into the... Into the concert, you know, I was in the crowd and listening to Liz sing with Ariana and seeing all of these little girls screaming and yelling. And then I heard somebody say, I think that's Liz's makeup artist. And it's so sweet because I remember being that little girl, you know, and idolizing, you know, all the idolizing these people and you know, and, and it's easy to, to forget about how special that is for someone else, even though it becomes your everyday occurrence for you, you know? So, and I think that's nice to, and I've had many of those moments in my, in my career as well. Just are special. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I can just see from that little girl's eyes, you know? Yeah, and it was all these little girls with their sparkly little costumes on and glitter eye makeup, and they're screaming bloody murder and crying and so excited because of Liz and Ariana and stuff. And oh, sweet. You know, it's it is it's really really sweet. Or like even just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a, a friend that I used to have in Detroit um, has a daughter who's ten and idolizes Liz, and 
she sent me a message and she was like, your girl loves, or my, my daughter loves your girl, Liz. And then she had drawn a picture of her and the picture was so cute. And I sent it to Liz. And then I told her that I sent it to Liz. And then she was like, you just made this 10 year old's day. Oh, <laughs> knowing that Liz Gilly saw this drawing that she did of her. Right. You know, it was just, you know, and so it was so cute. And it's just, it's really, really, really a sweet moment when you can have those, when you can actually allow yourself to be in the moment and, and enjoy it, you know? Yeah. No, those are beautiful for sure. So I have one last question. Yeah. You could have a conversation with Amber in 2010. So yourself back in 2010, what would you tell her? Oh my gosh. What would I tell Amber in 2010? Uh, it gets better, but don't look for thing. Don't look for the grass to be greener on the other side. Enjoy what you have now. That's what I would tell her. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Well, I will add your Instagram handles into the show notes so people can find you on Instagram. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I feel like I could talk forever. <laughs> oh, I know. Me too. Because I'm like, and I start speaking in circles and all that stuff. So that's why I'm like, did I actually answer the question or did I just start talking? No, you did. It's <laughs> great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And I appreciate you asking me to uh, do this. You can find and follow Amber on Instagram at Amber C Does Makeup. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a like and follow us at The Collective Pro.